This episode of Dear Jessamine has profanity, sex talk, weed smoking, and a bunch of other shit that's just not for everybody. You also may not agree with the stuff we say or how we say it, and we think that's great. We promote cannabis medicine to people over 21. If you're not 21, come back when you are. Dear Jessamine, I follow you on Instagram and I've been into all your posts about polyamory, but I'm a little confused about a couple of things. Maybe you'll explain. First, how do your parents feel about you being poly? Not that it matters, but after your scooter accident, you said that your parents were surprised visiting, but that your partner you live with was there at your house. I think I was just wondering, because I could never tell my parents that I date girls, let alone more than one at a time. Also, are you a lesbian, bi, or open to dating anyone? And what's that called? I tried to look up definitions between these and I'm still a little confused. LOL. Do you mind sharing? Oh, man. Thanks for writing in person. I don't mind sharing at all. Uh, I feel like I should offer some context, though, that I was in a scooter accident last year. So um, thanks to the city of Durham and their negligent construction of roads, I was in a scooter accident last, uh, like this time last year. It was like last... I think it was in July, actually. Um, it, I mean, it's actually not that important to the story, but I guess I'd said on Instagram that my parents were going to come to my house, and I had also made it very clear that both of my partners, both my girlfriend and my, I guess, my GNC partner, Gender, were going to be at the house, and... I, uh, I guess this person is like, so do your parents know that you're polyamorous or like what's good? And what's interesting is that now actually both my girlfriend and my partner live in the same house together. Will you say what GNC is just real fast? Gender nonconforming? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, but I also feel like that's a weird thing to say and I don't, yeah, I just never know what to say. It's like, it's like, I, well, yeah, you are. And I mean, it's like, I have a partner that I've been with for like almost 10 years and I have a partner that I've been with for almost two years. So that's the, I don't know, but I hate using like long-term partner because it's like Tinny and (laughs) Tui. I didn't get much sleep last night, so. Is that what's happening right there? Hmm. Maybe it's that I'm kind of uncomfortable with the concept in general. In general. Oh, okay. Because typically we would just say names, but we don't. I think I love not saying names. Me too. Well, um, anyway, so my parents came to visit, and yes, they were both here at the house, and um, my parents... Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I wrote notes. Okay. This is the thing. I really don't know that my parents know that I'm Polly. But actually, no, I know for a fact that they know that now. But I don't know that they really understand what that means in function. And I also just don't really think that they care. I think they're kind of like, literally, whatever you want to do, Jessamine. They've known both of my, they know both of my partners. They have spent time with both of them. They have clear context for both of them. When they were... I'm trying to remember if we didn't all hang out together when they came to visit. When they, no, when they came, your other partner um, 
was d did some real clutch like uh, de-weeding the house. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was the that was the bigger issue. Like they ran around and, like made sure that all the weed stuff was picked up. It's actually not even the weed stuff so much as it's like any alcohol things. I just don't want oh, to have yeah. out and around. Like I don't really care about anything else. Um, and then but I was up. You were pretty banged up. Like I was yeah. like I didn't want to leave your side as much as possible. Plus. If I had met them at that point, it would have been like once. I think I had met them once. Maybe twice. You were there when they came to my bedroom. I and feel then, like they came twice. But yeah, I remember being really anxious about that. Oh, really? Well, because it was so out of context for me. And I think for me, I'll get into this a little later, but I don't have a lot of like, oh no, I care what my parents think of me. Mm -hmm. And so whenever anybody does, I'm like, what does it mean? Yeah, I mean... I think that generally my parents are kind of like, like about me, like she makes all kinds of decisions. Like I, this is just one of her like weird decisions. I don't know. Like, I just don't think that they're really like, I think a lot of my decisions just kind of confuse them. So uh -huh. they just throw this on the stack and like, they all, like I've always had lot like friends. So I think they're just like, you know, friends. I don't think they have a lot of questions about lesbian sex or anything like that. I think they're both pretty clear on things. And I mean, I think they have, I don't know. I mean, I just think that they don't really care. It's like a non-issue. Yeah, I think it's a non-issue because my coming out was such an issue. So that I think they're just kind of like over the hump of it. Like, I think that if I... If I wanted to have them like really understand my gender identity, then I might try. That might be a harder conversation. Interesting. But I don't even really care to discuss my gender identity. So like, and I don't know what that means. I'm sure someone's like, you need to spend more time pathologizing yourself. But I'm like, I mean, I'm good. good. I know what I enjoy. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I don't feel like I have to have a label on everything or yeah. like discuss everything in depth. And I certainly don't feel like I need to have that dynamic with them. It's just, I mean, I just think that like yours is another of like a million examples of how to be a grown up child of somebody's, you know? I say that because like... <clears throat> It's something I notice a lot. I think of myself as having like a limited range of that personally. I have parents, they're just, several of them are estranged. One is dead, one is like, I may or may not talk to every other month, but like I have relationships with them. It just isn't one that like, they don't, they would never come over after, none of them would ever show up to anybody's house after a scooter accident. And I would not ever give one fuck about what was in my home if they wanted to come to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that tracks, too, though, when I was sort of more accountable to blood family on a regular basis. It was like, I was like bringing, I was like coming home to my grandmother mostly. <clears throat> and like, I constantly brought people, women home, mm -hmm. girlfriends home, and just wouldn't say anything. It would be obvious we'd be holding hands or doing anything that you would do. But I just never would say. Oh, by, oh, the, by way. the way. I would never entertain any kind of like anything. I was just like, so this is what's happening now. Just mm -hmm. like just like everybody else would bring their partner. Hell yeah. And um, that's what I'm talking about, actually. Yeah. It's like 
what is there to say? Right. You know, it's like you have eyes, you can see what this is. Like, I don't. If you have any questions, we can discuss that. But usually, whenever people are uncomfortable about stuff, they don't, don't want to discuss. It. Right. <laughs> so they're like, they're like, they might look at you or make you feel weird about it, but like, because they don't understand. But that's not. I mean. I don't know. I just really relate to what you're saying. I think that there's this piece of me that wants to feel like the parents who are up in your shit are are parents who are showing that they care. And the parents who sort of are like, I mean, she's going to do whatever she's going to do. I hope she's safe. You know, like don't care as much. But I don't find that with your parents at all. Mm. Like I've, I've, they're the most, it seems like really, y'all have a really balanced type of dynamic where like they care a great deal for you they would always have your back like understatement of the year mm-hmm. and they're also not up in your business or telling you how to live your life when your dad gets a great idea I feel like he wants to share it with you but I, there's no like trying to get you to be what you're not and I don't know how they managed it but it seems like the way to be your parents seem like the way to be in a lot of ways mm. I agree with that I mean yeah, I agree with that. Um, I was going to tell my coming out story. Should I tell? Yeah, okay. I was thinking about telling my coming out as Polly story after. Hey, okay. Well, I came out to my parents as a lesbian when I was a teenager. Uh, but I never came out to them as queer. Because the first time around was hard enough. And at this point, I think they get the idea that I have very sexual and romantic interests. And I don't, I mean, I don't know that I need to like go into this whole coming out saga. There were tears. My mom, uh, like when I think about how my mom was when I came out to her, like if I, if I thought that that was going to be, I don't know that I really thought that, I don't know that I really thought long term, like, wow, yeah, once time elapses, things will be better. Like. I think that I was pretty much <clears throat> thinking that she has reacted this way and this is how she's always going to feel about it. But when I look at the difference between then and now, it's just so tremendous that it really makes me think that there's, I mean, like, I understand there are people who, like, they never want to come around, so they don't. Mm-hmm. But it's not because they couldn't come around. They right. just didn't want to. So, like, I think that kind of knowing that and knowing that everybody just has, like, their initial reaction that's based off of their own shit. And, like, it's just really... It's annoying how parents make their own shit about their children. Well, that's Mm -hmm. the whole point of having kids. (laughs) Oh, no. Exactly. (laughs) Totally. Sort of. I want to just make a note that I do hear how echoey I sound, and Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do about it. So, Do you want to pause? Um... I don't I don't think so I mean I think I just want to like we're in non-ideal circumstances and we're all learning about how to do on the note of choosing to get over it mm-hmm. I was literally lying on my yoga mat this morning like crying and being like okay I literally want to figure out what of this I have control over agency over you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and even just that practice of being like I want to I want to I want to think about this differently really helped me feel less hopeless. I think quarantine is just a really hopeless time. 
for some people. Anyway. I mean, straight up, full moon in Aquarius tonight. What you were just saying, I was just like, damn. Processing, thinking that shit through hard. And that not your moon in Aquarius too? No. My moon's in Gemini. Oh, no, that's right. I know it was summer, so. All right. No. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, it's cool. This person asked how I identify. Yes. Okay. So they said, like, how are all these words defined? I d- Google is such a resource and a reference. And, like, I do not know the official definitions for all this shit. All I know is what I say about myself. I identify as queer. Sometimes as a queer lesbian, kind of depending on my mood. Um... Yeah, I'm not really that interested in cystics. I do actually really enjoy them, like, as a sexual. Uh, I enjoy them, like, for for what they are. But I don't, I'm not interested in, like, being in a relationship with a cystic. I'm also not even really interested in, like, seeking out sex with a cystic. Unless it was, like... Oh, this just seems like a good idea. I'm not like on the app specifically looking for cystics literally ever. And there was a time in my life where I think I was more open to it. Mm -hmm. And I have been with a number of cystics. And that's why I feel this way. Like it's really born out of just like, I just never care. I don't ever look at them in porn like beyond just a phallus like I don't it's really hard to care about them it's so interesting especially because like I notice it now more because you don't feel that way and it's like it's really like I'm reaching sometimes I'm like I'm here for it sexually yes Mm -hmm. but I just don't care otherwise (laughs) you know what I mean well, obviously yeah. not. No, no, I do. I have felt much the way you do most of my life. <clears throat> and I de- so I define cystics as cisgender men, cisgender mask of center people. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm not being politically correct. It doesn't matter. For somebody, you you know? just say what you feel like saying. That's what I say. You just say what you feel. Yeah, I. I love that you're queer. <laughs> And not like some version of some sexuality that I don't understand, you know? Oh, Lord. You were going to tell your poly coming out story. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking about my poly coming out story. And then I was thinking about uh, my first coming out story. My, like, les- you know, I came out as bi, I think. But I was, uh... okay, my first, first coming out thing was my mom said I was gay. She was like, oh, you're gay, right? And I was like... I mean, I didn't know what it meant. I was like, sure, because I thought it was something she wanted me to be, which it turns out it was. But it also turns out that I was too. So, thank goodness. My mom wanted. My mom wanted to have like. It was a complete opposite experience. My mom was like crying, and your mom's like, "You're gay, right?" My mom doesn't like liminal space, just like me. So I think that there was like, I was a tomboy, and I was like, I think she just wanted to name it something, you know. Mm. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe she would have something different to say about it, but. It didn't really count because it wasn't like mine, you know, Mm -hmm. but I did choose to tell my grandmother when I was 11 and that was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also chose to come out to my grandmother, same grandmother, (laughs) when I started dating this couple when I was 19. And mostly I 
decide I didn't really talk to her much about my dating life, but we were talking about having a baby and like she is really important like parent figure to me and so I felt like I wanted to at least introduce the concept to her before you know give her time give her time to think about it before there was a baby so that she could really know that that baby was the product of this union and that she could love us and the baby no problem you know and um I remember that she said I so I said to her you know I love these two people and I'm, and we're all together, the three of us. And she was like, that's not how you do things. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's just not how it is. And I was like, no, 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 it's amazing. Like, think about it this way. Because I didn't, like I said, I didn't have much practice convincing her of anything. It's like what you did in the 50s, except by choice. <laughs> no! Oh, no! So, okay, I guess backstory is like, you could, you could picture my grandmother, like, very happily, um... A housewife in Mad Men, mm-hmm. if you need to. <laughs> Do you know exactly that? Yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, and she was like, that's just not how it's done. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I love women. Like, you're down for that or whatever. She's like, that's different. And I was like, literally, how is that different? Because my thing was like, I'm loving differently than the ways that my grandparents did or the ways mm. that I was told I was allowed to. And I was just kind of, my Aries ass was like, I mean, it's all the same, right? It's different than you want. So just like accept this too. And I don't know if she ever did. We didn't really talk about it again. After I broke up with those people, she always asked me who I was dating. Mm-hmm. Where was I? You were talking about how your grandmother was like, that's just not how that's done. Yeah, I just think it's so funny that she was like, <laughs> she had moved already on queerness, mm-hmm. but she wasn't quite to poly stuff yet and I just feel like this is how it happens in families you know somebody shows up and they're like I have this thing it's different than you you're gonna accept it and then little by little folks do I think that's probably I think that's pretty consistent though like I think there's something about people who chose monogamy like out of a different generational like uh, norm that they're like because I wouldn't be surprised if my parents said some shit like that like I wouldn't be surprised if they think that me identifying as poly is a phase in my life interesting I wouldn't even be surprised if they thought that like me being queer was a phase in my life still a phase could be I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah I don't fucking know <laughs> but I'm saying like no. like I went but this is my thing about poly though for real is that I feel like they I wouldn't be surprised and I hope this I mean, I don't know, but I say I hope this wouldn't be the case, but like, what difference does it make if it's the case? But I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, well, you know, you'll be poly until you want to like have a child or buy a house or like whatever. Settle and, down. Yeah, until you want to settle down. And I'm like, I feel pretty settled actually, like more settled than a lot of people, honestly. And I don't know. I mean, like, it, Considering that everything is phases in our lives, maybe. I'm not even saying that I'm, like, ruling it out. But I also think that, like, it's just a very limited understanding of what it means to be with people. Because, right. like, again, we talked about this in other episodes. But I really feel like a lot of monogamous people are low-key in polyamorous relationships. They just don't call it that. And they don't understand it as that. Like, maybe they have somebody else who's in the relationship. It might not even be a romantic relationship, right. but, like, somebody else who is in y'all's relationship. It might even be, like, a sibling of one of the people that right. it's, like, they're constantly around, and, like, you know that, and they know that, and everybody knows that, like, they they also need to be um, 
consulted for big decisions and like I just think that I mean shit if you're going there like I feel like people have their mothers live with them literally you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. it's like that's a grown up human whose feelings and thoughts and opinions you have to consider Mm -hmm. when you're making decisions and they get some say at least over like what your kids eat or watch on TV and in that way co-parenting is happening and just like the decisions that you make as a person like that they're there for you but um but I just don't I think that using the language of polyamory is not that common in the mainstream and I think that whenever people do use it they get it confused with polygamy which is not that different but is markedly different and I just feel like you know that I think it just comes mostly from not really understanding it or knowing anything about it um I came out as bi because I thought it was more acceptable, even though I didn't think I wasn't, I had never really been interested in boys that I knew of. And then, but I was also so young, like I could have been and just didn't notice, you know? Um, but then like, the other thing is like when you're in foster care, dude, it's like, you're, unless you, unless there's like some like trauma response that like sexuality gets kicked up, I literally did not have any time <laughs> to think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and give a shit about my sexuality in foster care. But then when I got adopted by lesbians, it was like everything was lesbian, everything. Mm. And uh, so it was really nice that like I didn't have to think about, like the way that straight people I think probably don't think about being straight when they have straight yeah. parents. Having lesbian parents was like, oh my God, cool. Everything no need just, to think about this literally, anymore. I'm just gay and that's the end of the questioning, you know? Um, so that was really neat, for sure. So then I was like, I kind of identified as a lesbian, although at the time I, I would I have identified as a dyke because mm. it's like it was like the edgier version of the same thing, and like I was the youth, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the youth culture. So it was very important to me. Uh, so yeah, so but I think that also gay, just because like I'm not straight, mm-hmm. like in the way that gay is sort of just that. And then, like, queer because it has this political bent that I feel like is really important. Uh, and it's, like, important for me to claim. So, all of, but I've never gotten rid of anything. I'm, like... Mm, you should add on. Yeah, I'm, like, bi and gay and lesbian and dyke and queer. But, yeah, I mean, I think part of what the question is about, though, she says, what is that called? Do you like everybody? Whatever. Isn't that... That's pansexual, right? Basically, when you're just, yeah, like, I think I'll, so. I'll do whomever. <laughs> Whatever, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I see, that's why I just don't care about labels that much. And I know it's just, it's such a privileged place to sit in, I think, to just be like, I don't really care. I just am because like, it's, it's true that like finding identity through labels is really important and like finding like a way to just be able to define yourself to yourself because it's it's confusing inside yourself so like I think that's really understandable I think too there's this question about like safety and visibility Mm -hmm. and it's like that's only our responsibility as much as we're able you Mm -hmm. know what I mean to do a good job with that like it's always I think when I was in high school, I was, like, really active in GSA. Gay, straight, allies. Like, really thought that visibility was going to be the thing that made queer people safer. It does make queer and people safer. And it does. Safer. And it mm-hmm. is. And I just... 
I guess I was thinking about it in the context of poly. Like, do you think that visible polyamory is the same yes. game? I think it is. I'm so glad you asked that. I think that's really interesting because I feel like it makes it safer for people with children and people yeah. who like for you to be. I mean, like going back to the experience in the hospital, like if we lived in a place that was not as progressive as Durham, we would not have been able to like all three of us be at the hospital like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like me, you and my other partner were all there together the whole time, essentially. And like, I can't like if we lived in a place where it was like extremely conservative. Yeah. I mean, it might have been like maybe me and my other partner could go together because we're both black. Mm-hmm. But, but like me and you being <clears throat> there together, like as um, not just a, a queer couple, but not just like lesbian but also like being uh interracial like there's just so many places where that wouldn't to this day wouldn't be safe so to the point that like i know i pretend like i defy all boundaries and barriers all the time no matter what but it would change our behavior so much in the day-to-day absolutely that it would i mean i'm just thinking about i hate it we're talking about the scooter accident hospital yeah you got in this accident and called me and I'm like tearing the mile and a half down the road from my house to where you were and I got there and like you rolled up looking like you were in the fucking like scooby-doo van you were like ready to go it was like I was so scared for your safety the wheels were done I mean it was scary the other thing is that I had absolutely no idea what happened and when you called me I could hear other voices in the background sort of Mm -hmm. talking to you and I was like my number one assumption, I don't know if I've ever told you this, was that there it was white people, first of all, and that they had hit you with their car. Oh, shit. Wow. Um, and so, and I assumed this just because, I guess I have a practice assuming the worst, but also, like, some white people would hit you with your car. With their car. And then... They'd probably keep going. Right. And then, yeah, if they stopped, it would be to, like, tell you it was your fault or some shit. Yeah. So I was, like, coming ready for, like, both a fight and, like, a protective mama bear dragon mm-hmm. situation but i got there. dragon and drag on like <laughs> like a dragon who's dragging somebody anyway got to feel like if i needed I to so i showed up the medea meme like you know hard <laughs> i showed up like hard and soft you know what i mean like trying to be really soft for you but then like ready if I needed to but it was this it was this older black couple right who had stopped because they they were like middle aged old because they also hit the same pothole oh my god yeah they were like they said they went through this pothole that was massive and they were like wow I really hope no one comes by on a bike or something because they're gonna get really hurt in this pothole and literally right after that I went through it and so they stopped to wait with they you. stopped because they I mean it it could have messed up their car like the yeah. way that they the way that it dipped down into the road so they had to like slow up just to make sure that everything was okay and while they were slowed up I went through the Damn. pothole right well, so they saw the whole thing happen so grateful for them yeah. to be there with you and then yeah just getting to the hospital like that whole experience on the note of being interracial couple <clears throat> that experience was really really hard not only were you in a lot of pain but they waited a really long time to see you mm-hmm. in my opinion for somebody who as a motorcycle rider mm-hmm. for somebody who came in on an auto bike accident mm-hmm. with as many cuts and scrapes you had like face lacerations I was just like 
They were not pressed. As a person who was also trained as an EMT, they just did it wrong, is what I'm telling you. And, like, they didn't give you any pain meds. They triaged you. Duke Hospital. Duke University. Duke University Hospital Hospital Systems. On Irwin Road in Durham, North North Carolina. And uh, we get in there, and it's like, I think we got there maybe, like, 11 or 12 at night. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get seen until, like, 5 a.m. Yep. And... You could have had all kinds of like any kind of injury, all kinds of any things. kind of internal mm-hmm. in- anything, all kinds of things. They triaged you super late. They didn't give you any pain medication. And when we finally got back there, they were treating your body, in my opinion, like a you weren't in pain, which you were obviously in an extreme amount of pain. B, like, like you, like you didn't that you didn't deserve t- tenderness or care, but also that like. It was an inconvenience or something that you. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know that I've ever been treated that way in an ER. That's so interesting because I really thought that's how everybody was treated, and even in you talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's how they acted, and I'm like, how else would they have acted? Like I've never had an experience at the doctor that was that different from that experience, like ever. I think the thing that is definitely the most maddening and yes i'm talking about racism and white supremacy if it wasn't (laughs) obvious the thing that's most fucking infuriating is that when i started to say things when i insisted for instance that there was a piece of glass in your arm that he needed to take out but he was like oh no it's not and i was like look on they they did a bunch of x-rays and shit look on the x-rays i promise you it's in there please get it out and then he came back after the x-ray and was like oh yeah i guess there is and then he proceeded to dig it out super roughly in my opinion that whole experience if you make a scene if you do what i want to do which is like rip him a new asshole like they treat you worse right quality of care goes down (laughs) and so you are completely helpless i felt completely helpless having so much like white privilege entitlement and so little effectiveness at Mm -hmm. getting you better care felt like an important lesson and like one of the worst things Mm -hmm. ever and it was just bad. <laughs> I mean, and my ass is out here like, like, well, you know, it's like five o'clock in the morning. I'm sure he's been on shift for hours and, you know, she's really tired. But he really was just like that. And you, I honestly think that I wouldn't even be like half as petty if I wasn't still like out 10 grand to these people. You absolutely. know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I had to pay so much money for that completely ineffective, like, la- like Near the whole night. Yeah, it was bullshit, man. The These the medical st- situation in America is fucked up. Gotten so many stitches that they didn't give you. No stitches. Like, had wow. to pay for that expensive ass X ray. X ray. X ray. That's what it was like. X ray. Uh, I'm sure that's bullshit, the brand name. Man. So yeah, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> so, well, no, but I mean, we the, live in the plantation so, south. Anyway, right. So going back to the importance of visibility. Excuse me. I feel like it's really important for polyamorous people to be open and to live mm-hmm. their lives openly. Really just thinking about like making sure that people can be at the doctor with their partners and that their children can do everything that they need to do in terms of like getting into school, being able to go to school safely and like being able to talk about their fucking families. You know what I mean? Like, when you're like trying to figure go to rent a house, for instance. Oh my God. When we were, oh my God, I forgot about that. Okay. So when we were trying to, so the four of us, me, 
Ash, my other partner, and my other partner's other partner, were planning to move in together this year. And so while we're in this process of looking for a house, one of our biggest issues was like the way that we framed our living situation. Because in Durham, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but in Durham, you can't have more than three adults living in the same, like on the lease together. It's It's because they're trying to prevent students like big groups of students from living in places like again home to duke university so yeah which frankly i feel (laughs) like i got you but we're like four professionals over 30 like we are not who they're concerned about and we are out here really trying to figure out like okay so do we say we're two couples and like i mean that's our story is like we're two couples that have realized that we can save a little money by all living together and it's like that's not the truth Wrong one. and i just don't think that people should have to lie about what is going on in their lives like just because it's not considered socially acceptable but it's literally the question is like, will they rent to us? I think the other literally. thing that's happening in Durham is like real rapid gentrification, only slowed mm-hmm. by the pandemic, very very slightly. Thank God, honestly, absolutely thank God. Um, but it's so so it's hard to get good housing. Like looking for housing is like very tricky and if they don't like you they don't have to take you like that wasn't the case in Durham if you had the money and you showed Mm. up and you look like you have a job you got the house back in the day but now it's just not like that it's always been extremely competitive since I've lived here like it's always been like if you don't have the money right now and you're ready to move on it then you will not be um you will not be getting the spot and it's just I mean I think it's just frustrating because it feels like one of those things where it's like it doesn't matter how much money you make or like how far you go in your life that you can still be and I guess I'm, I'm saying like you but I mean me I'm like like it doesn't matter what I do like I'm still going to be discriminated against for one reason or another like right. even people can be like oh my fucking god this is actually not even about that but I'm just thinking about when me and were looking for houses um oh shit it's okay when me and my other partner were looking for houses before we found this house that we live in right now we went to see a house where the woman that showed it to us she was like a dyke you know what i mean she's like out here like driving her fucking truck to the house that she and her wife rent to people i don't know and um she's landlord sounds like a great living right but so like so we're being um walk through the house by this woman that I'm like yeah we're golden you know what I mean like she's a dyke like we're good this is great and so she's like and it's clear like that's you know the vibe, the vibe. but then we get outside and she's asking all these questions about like you know what do we do for a living and and I was like oh I'm a yoga teacher and a writer and my other partner <laughs> my partner is a chef and she just like looked at me like mm-hmm. like you were a butterfly therapist or something absolutely a hundred percent full-time butterfly therapist like uh basket weaving under the sea like she was just like she was like oh so you don't have a job got it um let's <laughs> talk so to, funny to me. let's talk to this other partner <laughs> who obviously is the one who pays the bills oh, and then from wow. the re- from then on that was the whole conversation was between her 
<laughs> my favorite thing to do, if I can interject, as a Mask of Center person, my absolute favorite thing to do is to just interrupt that narrative. I don't do it as much anymore, but like if I get the bill, I'll be like, oh, actually, that's for her. <laughs> or like um, if that shit happens, just like look away. You're like, I just like look away. If a third wave feminism. At me, literally. Third wave will drown you. Whatever. Third wave is. Ugh. Whatever. I wanted to go back to talking about trying to rent that fucking house. Because. Oh my goodness. I mean. Because what's real is, like, for me, I don't know that we've never really talked about this, but it feels very apparent to me a lot of times that instead of the four of us moving in together, we decided to do something different, and I ended up moving in where you and your other partner were already living, Mm -hmm. and it feels like I moved in with (laughs) y'all all the time, Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of those poly dynamics that you don't necessarily think about, especially, I don't even think that you and your other partner maybe even need to think about it in the same way but it's like it's like I feel like story of my life is a third you know like I'm always sort of like oh is this how we've decorated the kitchen great is this how we've decorated the kitchen butterfly therapist um (laughs) I mean this is my thing we are both just the type of people to like it's like we gotta move mm-hmm. and so we're moving and then there's boxes and then the, we gotta get the boxes from the first place to the second place and then once all of that is done we have to get the boxes out of the house they can no longer be in the house we just have to get everything out of the boxes mm-hmm. boxes on the street and then once the boxes are on the street and everything's been picked up we're good there's nothing else to be done how but- long does that dick Oh, I was talking about time lapse of two years. Like the first two years that we lived here. Oh my here. God. <laughs> Her? Because it's like, we both have jobs yeah. that require like full attention and awareness. Mm-hmm. And like, especially if you don't, I mean, like my parents are not the decorating type. So mm-hmm. it's not some, and they also, as you pointed out, like never move. So we don't, <laughs> it's like. There's less of an emphasis on like, oh yeah, like put it together in a way that really, you know, feels good. It's more like just get it together. Mm -hmm. Like actually decorating a space as a way to feel more at home in the space is a new concept to Mm -hmm. me. And I love it. It's so amazing because like decorating the space is different from like just like finding some shit to like put up so the the walls aren't bare. Yeah. Uh Mm hmm. I feel that. I mean, I learned that only recently. My last partner was really big on it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so that's why we need you. (laughs) Because you bring that energy into the house. It's really, I mean, like, if we had a HGTV show, that would be the show. It would be, like, the two of us living here in the house. And then here comes Ash. It's like, you come in with, like, wood in a box, like, wood under one arm and, like, a table saw, like in one hand and then like a box in the other hand you're like what's shaking guys what's shaking guys <laughs> let's get this done <laughs> anyway. i love that so much um well i am i will say that this morning part of my tears was definitely about this shed we have out back mm. that the landlord was like sure i'm not using it sounds great and so i've been like cleaning it out and trying to make it functional as like a podcasting space or anything 
and um, I thought that it was all solid and then we had this torrential rain yesterday and I realized that all these floors that I built which mm. it's totally fine that they have rain on them for now but we just had to fix that roof but I was getting bogged down because like the DIY nature of this project I feel like I can't do the roof <laughs> sadly mm-hmm. it just feels dangerous and like so I was getting bummed out because I was just like I can't make this space mine <laughs> But it's true that I have, really. We have really done a lot of decorating since I've been here. Quite a lot. But, like, these are... This is, like, an untold poly story. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Where my it's God. Like, the merging of households? The merging... No. <laughs> a third moving in. Oh. <laughs> That's what I meant. Sure, sure, sure. No, I love how you said it. Shut it. <laughs> I'm saying. But I did just bring yeah, my... I love that you said My it. ninja blender. So I know yes. you're excited about that. That the Vitamix, I think, is my favorite thing yeah. that you brought into and the house. Instant pot. You're not and ready the, for that, that double bed. <laughs> yeah, it's really oh, nice bed. yeah. I really like the rice cooker too. Oh yeah. See, I it's the thing. I've I've been training to be a housewife my whole life. Mm-hmm. So the things that I have, I think, really show that. Mm-hmm. A bed, a blender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a bed, a blender. Some floorboard skills. You have lots of skills. It's true, I do. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. This is so the the deal with parents is that the parents know what's good. The parents also, and I I actually think that having children like be open about their identities helps parents at least has helped my parents like come to terms with themselves a little bit more. Remember, we just had that whole conversation with your parents and your brother at our new office. When it was mm-hmm. new. And or your better. and what did I feel like your mom? I feel like your mom like her vibe was. Can you believe parents who are homophobic? Did she say that? She didn't, but I feel like that was her, like, <laughs> steeds. She was, like, basically, like, it's so silly when people can't just accept that their kids are different or whatever. When did she say that? Come on. I want to call your are brother. Are you kidding me? I want to phone a friend and be like, what was Tangela saying during that moment? She tripping. <laughs> That's what she tripping. Are you saying you don't remember this conversation? No, I'm saying I believe that that happened. I just, that's ridiculous. It felt so clearly to me like one of those, like, something my mom would do, which is like distancing her Absolutely. From, a, from a former opinion. Literally. And being like, I just want to announce to everybody. It's just that like, I'm over I realized that. that that's so crazy. Like, yeah. how could you think that? But it was nice. It was fun. I feel like she was also, like, sort of. Show, you know, showing me the side of her that she wanted me to see too. You know? mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like in that, like further affirming her acceptance and mm-hmm. like felt good to me. I was into it. That I really just don't even know how to deal with it. I'm completely honest with you. And so I'm just going to just try to take that in. And um, I'm ready to uh, drop page if you are ready. Sounds perfect. Dear Jessamine is a production of Tinder Fire Media. My co-host is Ash Danger Phoenix. Episode Heart is by genius artiste Janie Leopard of JanieLeopard.com. Our theme song and quick pick-me-up from the blues is by Fruit Snack of FruitSnack.BandCamp.com. Our master of social media ceremonies is the lovely Chaz Venus. Anna Rooney makes sure all of our heads stay firmly atop our shoulders offers a shoulder to cry on and turns a cold shoulder to disorganization of all kinds hit up wegohigh.info for info i'm your host jessamine stanley no one should be in jail for weed
No, I mean, that's so real, though, because, like, does so much stuff that's like, look how inclusive we are, and look at this thing and that thing, but, like, consistently, across the board, like, it seems like the only black women, black women that they fuck with are, like, Oprah, Michelle Obama, and, uh, old girl, Ava DuVernay. But they're like, look, if it's not trauma porn, we don't want it. Don't bring your real life experiences over here. Don't be complex. How fucking dare you? How dare you? Are you going to make somebody feel bad about themselves? And it's not in a way that we can control. And exploit. And exploit. Then you can eat a dick. Eat a black bitch. That's what I said. I don't make the rules. Right. <laughs> you know? Same. Sure. You're like, oh my gosh, this is so. That's so rude. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Clutched. You should watch Birth of a Nation. It's so rude. God damn. Birth of a Nation is so boring, and it's really sad. To me. Tender fire. Drop page. Hello. 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 This is Ash, and you've made it through the entire first season of Dear Jessamine. Congratulations. That or you just listened to the last episode. Either way, well done. I'm jumping on here for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'd like to just say thank you. However much you listened, however much you liked or didn't, we're so grateful to have the opportunity to connect with you. We would love for you to take the opportunity to connect back with us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Instagram at Dear Jessamine, look at our website, dearjessamine.com, write us a letter and send it over the internet. Send me an email, ash at dearjessamine.com. Send an episode to your friend, mother-in-law, dog groomer, you know the drill. Do anything to make it clear that you like this show because that stuff really matters. The more people that know that you like our show, the more people will like our show. And the more people who like our show, the better conversations we can have. I listen to podcasts all the time. And before I started doing this show, I didn't think it mattered that much. I just thought that hosts wanted to hear what you had to say, which is a noble enough endeavor, but it actually means that we can get funding. It means that we can get featured and it means that more people can have a similar experience that you had, whether it was pure rage at our ideas or maybe an opening into some way to be that you hadn't thought of. Either way, it would be really helpful. We tried a lot of new things and we got so many responses from folks saying that they dug it or that it was helpful. And that's really all we're in it for, creating art and connecting with our community. Thank you so much again for listening to our show. We're excited to see you in season two.